Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, good Tuesday morning, everybody. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and uh, is still hanging out with some family and friends, getting back into the work week, maybe. But uh, thank you guys for joining us here on the VolQuest podcast. As always, big thank you to Exterior Home Solutions for bringing this coverage. Uh, local and trusted since 1999. That's Exterior Home Solutions, 865-524-5888. You can give them a call for a free estimate. That's Exterior Home Solutions. Also, want to make mention as well, January the 4th, reminder at Bridgestone Arena, it's going to be Tennessee night. Uh, the Flames against the Preds ticket prices uh, for that night include a limited edition co-branded UT Preds hat for alums, students, and fans. You can wear that if you're watching on YouTube. You can see what that hat looks like. It's pretty stylish. To purchase UT night tickets for the Preds against the Flames on January the 4th at Bridgestone Arena, visit NashvillePredators.com slash college nights. All right, so we got some things to get into today. We're going to kind of take a a year in review stance here later in the show. Uh, Hubs put out a story over on the site yesterday, and I thought it was pretty good, so I wanted to bring it on the podcast here today. But first, uh, some massive news. Late last week, wide receiver edition Chris Brazel uh, to Tennessee. Awesome price. This was um, – you had to get a tight end for sure. That was number one priority, but feels like this was the big fish, if you will, and three years of eligibility remaining. It's exactly what you wanted in a receiver body, and Tennessee beat out a lot of schools for Chris Brazel. Yeah, I mean, they, they did a really nice job, Eric, and, uh, you know, credit Tennessee for getting him here early. You look at the two transfers Tennessee got this past – actually, let's go with 
all of them, all of them, Jacoby, Holden, um, you know, obviously, you know, uh, you know, the kid from Oregon State and, and now, you know, Brazel, what, what do they all have in common? They visited early. Like you, it, with, with high school kids, you know, the old adage is you don't want to be first, you want to be last. Well, in the portal, it's the opposite. And so you established yourself as a major contender early, even though a few of them took other visits. Like that visit for for Brazel stood out because he got to spend a ton of time with Nico. It was a it was a drive by visit, right? Like the kid didn't even do a photo shoot, you know. Um, you know, much like McCoy didn't from Oregon State. Two kids that you know that they were here, they got in, they got their business done, they got out, and they just were blown away by Tennessee. And uh, you know, Nico did a really nice job with Chris Brazel. Um, super impressed with with what you know, kind of. Nico brought to the table, having talked to Chris. And, you know, this was a big deal uh, for Tennessee because they wanted an outside body. They get a kid that, as a freshman, was super productive. And, uh, you know, you go for over 700 yards and five touchdowns as a freshman, that's pretty good, right? So, I mean, what can he kind of grow into in as an outside receiver in this offense? I wish we would have got him on on video um, leaving – you know, kind of, kind of leaving campus. They were in a hurry, so it was just kind of one of those walking and talking interviews. But I mean, he was raving. You, you're right. I mean, Nico did a great job. He mentioned Nico probably four or five times. I mean, I put the quote in there. You know, saying that Nico is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Knowing that if he comes here, Nico will be with him for multiple years. Um, it feels like Brent that Nico played a huge role in the fact that Tennessee has a direction at quarterback. Um, you know, getting getting to know Nico a little bit, and obviously the the prowess and everything that comes with Nico. It feels like that played a big role in and getting this wide receiver to campus. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is Nico's got multiple years, right? Yeah. And so here's Brazel. I mean, we'll see what the NCAA rules in terms of this multiple, you know, transfer deal or not. But if it goes and stays as a one-time transfer and you're a receiver, you don't want to go somewhere that they're going to have a quarterback for a year, and then you don't know what your quarterback situation is going to be, you know, for, for your junior year, um, you know, and, and later in your career. So I think Nico having multiple years probably helped. Austin, you made the comment about getting guys on campus early, and that's a big factor. Is that because it's first impression? Is that because so many visits are rushed and the first impression means more? Is that because kids are in a hurry to secure a spot? Why do you think that – because you're right, it's not just this year. I think when you look overall, that's kind of been the trend. Why do you think that first visit for a transfer is carrying the weight – as, as, as opposed to maybe the last visit carrying the weight? Well, in some instances, I think that, you know, the first visit is kind of that player's perceived favorite, right? Exactly. You know, you know um, and, and in other instances, it's just like you said, like you know, McCoy, again, he wasn't going to come till January. Oklahoma was dragging their feet, setting it up, and Tennessee swoops in there, gets him on campus literally the next day. Like, Willie Martinez – had his first conversation with the dad and, and, and Jamad, and literally the next day he's he's touring the, the facilities. Like they did a good swooping in, getting that set up, getting him to campus. Um, you know, so I think sometimes it's a combination of everything you just said. Sometimes it's, you know, the, the, the guy was like, man, I really like that. That's kind of where I'd like to go. They have interest in me. I'm going to start there and then go from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a combination of a few different things, but, uh, you know, either way, I think, you know, getting them here early is a big deal in the transfer portal. And and like I've told you, the old adage, you know, like a lot of, you know, like there's some certain recruiting rules that 
the million hubs and all that guys talk about, like, you know, the rules, the rule, you know, um, in, in certain instances, it's not always the case in the transfer portal, right? Like, you know, I mean, everybody thought when Jermon McCoy left here, didn't commit, went to Texas A&M, he's from the state of Texas. It's probably going to end with him staying in his home state because he didn't get to out of high school, but that didn't happen. You know, so I mean, like it, it's not as cut and dry with the college kids, the transfers. I think because they're a little older, they're a little more experienced, and they ultimately they kind of know where they want to go, right? They don't get all caught up in the warm and fuzzies, the plan for the home state school, and so on and so forth. Well, when you look at this edition, um, man, anyone you any way you want to spend it, you look at that wide receiver room now. It's got a little bit more ump. You know, Brew McCoy. We'll see what he does, but Dante Thornton's coming back. Chris Brazel's, you know, there. You got the two, you know, retro freshmen stepping up now and Chaz Nimrod, Caleb Webb. Those are, you know, outside options. Of course, you have Squirrel in the slot. You're bringing in Mike Matthews and Braylon Staley. I mean, it feels like this wide receiver room, it's got some body types that it wants for the outside. Dante Thornton, you know, Chris Brazel, you know, some, some of those guys, and, and also has options on the inside. It it just feels like you needed more bodies to begin with, but you also needed more playmaking ability. And and so with this addition, it feels like the, the wide receiver room accomplished both of those. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I I miss I've, I've totally misread the wide receiver room. I don't, I don't think Hubbard did, but then again, Hubbard is, the, is, is an expert at the glasses half empty. <laughs> you know, I mean, last I, – I thought Tennessee's receivers were going to be better. but I agree. Last year. I mean, I, I thought, you know, you can't predict Brew getting hurt. But, you know, I, I think – Certainly for me, the biggest misread was probably Dante Thornton. I mean, I, I thought he was going to come in and, and, and be a guy. I mean, be, be really productive off the bat. And, you know, that wasn't the case. And, it, Eric, I, I don't think it's a talent or ability issue. I mean, for whatever reason, I mean, you can just go on the practice field and, and Dante Thornton jumps out at you. And so there, there's, as you say, there, it seems reasonable to think that he can be a guy that is productive, you know, once, once he's in the offense and it gets comfortable. But, um, you know, does Mike Matthews play? I mean, Squirrel White was really productive as a freshman, you know, a couple of years, you know, two, two years ago. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, being a freshman, it's a small sample size, but this, it doesn't seem like that, that's an impediment to this offense. I mean, if you're, if you're a guy. And, man, I mean, just it, it, when you see the offense like we have, you think it's, it's got to be, I don't know, not easy to play receiver, but attractive to play receiver in this offense. And, and to, because of that, it's not, it's not a surprise to me that, you know, the kid from Tulane would, would want to come here and, and, you know, look at that as, you know, can I be a plug and play guy? I mean, Brew was a plug and play guy. I mean, he, he didn't mm-hmm. put up a thousand yards, but I mean, he was immediately productive. And I, it's, it's, it's not a surprise to me that, that, that Tennessee's an attractive place for receivers in the portal. Yeah. I'll say this about the receiver group in, in general. I, I mean, I was of the belief that, um, Tennessee just could, could get anybody open, right? I mean, yeah, and, and, and I think that you have to give – you'll go back and look at it and you give a lot of credit to um, to, to Jalen Hyatt's skill and, and what Jalen Hyatt did, right? Like we just assume, well, he's fast, so they get him wide open. Austin, I think you got to give credit to what Jalen Hyatt did as a player. Um, and, and I think it was shortchanged a little bit. But I, I know it was by me because I, I, I said in the preseason – it may not be a great, the most talent may not be as talented, but that receiver group is going to be fine because Josh Heupel can get anybody wide open. And that just wasn't the case throughout the year this year, which goes back to, you know what, let's give Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman and some of those guys some credit. They're 
pretty doggone talented guys. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that this receiver group has upgraded in talent with what they've gotten in. I, the, the state of the kid had a great shrine bowl week and over there. Um, Mike Matthews is obviously a real talent and I, you know, I think Braswell can step right in and be productive because he's already proven he, he can be productive at the college level. Did Hubs just give somebody flowers? Is that what happened? <laughs> Now, they were probably dead flowers. He didn't like the half-cup half cup empty carpet, I don't think. He's, he's trying to bounce back. No, I mean, I, I mean, you, I, I wanted to correct myself because a lot of people have told me, I thought you said uh, Josh Heifel could get anybody open. That well, guy will still be open. Turns out That wasn't the case. Turns I, out I, he can't get anybody open. I, I, I'm interested to see what this offense looks like next year with with – added talent in the receiver room and a changing quarterback. Because I think, yeah, you can say, you know, Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman deserve flowers, but I would probably argue that throw throw Hendon Hooker in there as well. Because no I think, you know, and, no and I mean, because I'm fascinated to see, like, what does that offense look like? Does it go back to looking like more like 22? Because if it does, then, then you know, it draws a spotlight on probably the problem uh, in 23. Well, and I'll, I'll say this, Eric, and, and I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I, I'll say this. Syracuse is not very good, okay? Yeah, but I, I, watched, I watched that game against South Florida, and, and South Florida scored their third touchdown of the game was a, was a straight tempo touchdown. Had nothing to do with play call. Had nothing to do with scheme. It had everything to do with tempo. Safety wasn't lined up. They were gassed. South Florida was going super fast. That's what Tennessee didn't wasn't able to do enough of in 23. The question is, can they get back to that tempo being the real asset to the program and the offense the way it was uh, the first two years? Because it was not there this year for Tennessee for whatever reasons. Yeah, I would agree. I think it was slower this year, and um, I was going to go in and you know talk about giving flowers to this player, that player, Hendon. I mean, Alex Golish, you know, what he did year one down there at USF is really impressive. But will added talent at wide receiver and a change of quarterback kind of get it back to what you saw in 2022? Yeah, I'm intrigued to see. I do want to ask this before we move on to our next subject. Um, AP, say, say Brew's back, man. I mean, and, and we know they played more receivers this year because they kind of had to. But say Brew's back and, and, and you look at this, the, this wide receiver group, Kind of who's the odd man out? I mean, I know I know Braswell hadn't practiced one time here, but who's kind of the odd man out? Because you have Nimrod and Webb, who's gotten experience now, Thornton, who will be healthy, and you think he'll be on the outside. You'd have Brew in this situation, Brazel, Squirrel in the slot. Who's the odd man out? That's a great question, man. And I just don't know the answer. When we sat here, yeah. at, you know, right after Christmas, and I, I don't I mean, you just don't know. You don't know what it takes, what it looks like. Um you know, I would probably tell you that that Brew and Brazel are your outside guys, and Squirrel is your slot. Um, you know, but I just don't think you know at this point, and I, and I think that's a good thing. Like I think you you, you know, it, you want as much depth as you can get there. It's kind of like everybody, you know, what if you could add Evan Stewart? You do it. You, you you add as much depth as you can. You never know. Look at this past year. I mean, when Brew yeah. went down, you had to be thrown to. You had to throw in Webb and Nimrod, and I mean those guys were, were were solid. But I mean, like you know, were they ready? I don't know. I mean, you know, I I think the more depth you can have across the board, the better. Well, and I I think fascinating spring practice at that position, but because because who feels like who feels where the you know who has a feel for where they are coming out of spring practice, right? 
are, are in the middle of spring practice who, who, you know, look, you get a chance to size up Mike Matthews and, and see what he is and, and, and see what Brazel is. Now, Bruce, Brew would not go through spring practice. I don't think it brews back. Um, but, you know, where are all those guys kind of looking around in that room and trying to figure out, you know, where they are and who they are, I, I think is going to be an interesting room in spring ball because they do have depth there that they haven't had before. And, and what does what does that look like for, for those guys in spring practice? Hey, by, by it'll be a little bit – go ahead, AP. Before, we, before we go on, uh, actually, Eric, you finish your thought. Once we wrap up this, then I'll then – I'll, I was going to say kind of on that note from, from what Brent was saying, like, yeah, if Bruce back, probably won't go through spring. But it, it'd be a little bit different too because you come into spring last year and you had Brew, you had Rommel, you knew those guys were going to play. So it's like, okay, well, it's raining outside. Let's hold back a little bit. Oh, scrimmage at Neyland Stadium is pouring down rain. Let's not go today. There won't be any of that this spring. I mean, you'll have guys fighting. You know, again, there's there's only two spots on the outside, and there's like four or five guys, you know, competing. I, I feel like it'd be a really, really, really good battle there at wide receiver AP this spring amongst all those guys. Well, and Brazel has to hit the ground running, Eric, right? Yeah. I mean, like, this is a big spring for him because, yeah, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, giving him a lot of praise right now, and that's great. But, I mean, he's coming in from Tulane. Tulane's not the SEC, so he's got to – Take that natural God-given ability, and then see how it translates into this into this league, into this room. Um, he's got to gel with his teammates, and so this spring is big for him to kind of you know find his foot. Because I mean, you look back a year ago, and I'm not going to say that he's you know going to have Dante Thornton type year next year, but like everybody kind of you know praised Dante Thornton, and then what happened? Like he it just didn't translate. Now, Hubs has said it, and I think Hubs is right. Part of the problem is probably they had him out of position, trying to force him inside. He wasn't ready for that, and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, I think this is, it's a big spring for everybody, but I think it's a big spring for Brazel just because you need him when you when you kind of go that route you know, and you bring him in as, as, as the guy that's ready to come in and play, you need him to really have a strong spring. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. And you need him to be on the field, right? I, I think Dante Thornton missing as much time as he missed in spring and fall camp probably did not help him. And in the summertime as well. The one thing I like about Brazel compared to Thornton is I, I know it's not the SEC, but but he was super productive. Yeah. And, and Dante Thornton's production at Oregon was was kind of Javante Payton's production at Tennessee in, in a lot of ways. I mean, he kind of just ran the one route, and that was kind of what he did. Um, I, I think Brazel is is much more developed uh, as a receiver at this point. Now, how does that translate into the SEC? We'll find out. Should be some great competition. We won't get to see them, but there should be some great seven-on-seven seven battles on the practice field this spring with a bunch of young DBs and a bunch of hungry wide receivers trying to find their place. I got this text last night, um, and this is what uh, Willie Fritz told a buddy of mine. Brazel's the most talented kid I have ever seen around at that age. He's a stud. So, I mean, like, you know, I mean, you know, when your former head coach is still – you know, giving you the flowers, then that that's a, that's a good thing. Hubs, do you when you buy flowers, do you get them from the Morrison sisters? <laughs> yes, because it's always National Potato Day, <laughs> and the other two don't get it. But that's an Andy Griffith. Right? I've yeah. got, I got EC. I've got, I've got no frame of reference for that. No, but, same here. But that I mean, should can, come as no we, surprise to anybody. AP, will you, it's will still busting day. AP, would you watch a Seinfeld episode, please? I love Seinfeld. I, just for, I was going to say, you, you you like Seinfeld, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Now, here's well. the thing. Here's the thing. 
Andy Griffith, can, you, it references into everything that you're discussing. You can reference it in any way, shape, or form. By the way, I've been down here in Memphis, you know, around the holidays, and Danny Thomas is down here. He's, he's big. He's a big into the Andy Griffith show. I mean, you know, Andy, you know, Dick Van Dyke. I mean, just keep going right down. I know Eric, that's way before Kirby Puckett, Eric. Way before Kirby Puckett. <laughs> um, as we move on here, talking about Brazel, um, last thing, and then we'll and then we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk about the year in the review. I, I think um, this spring, I mean, it's going to be a great competition because we talked about all those wide receivers, but also those young DBs. I mean, the whole room is gone. I mean, you're completely resetting in the defensive backfield. I love so it. you're going to have guys fighting for jobs at safety, at star, at corner. And you're gonna have guys fighting for jobs with wide receiver. I just I think that's gonna be one of the best storylines of spring practice, all those individual battles throughout the course of those fifteen practices. All right. Uh Hubbard put a story out there at balkwest.com, a year in review on Christmas Day. Wanna bring that to the podcast here in a moment. Uh quick reminder though, January the fourth again, it's gonna be UT Night at Bridgestone Arena as the Predators take on the Flames. UT Knights. Ticket prices for the uh, the event, you can go to NashvillePredators.com slash College Nights, and you'll also get a limited edition co-branded UT Preds hat that you can wear at the event as well. So uh, don't miss out on that. UT Night, Preds versus the Flames, January the 4th at Bridgestone Arena. I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Game Time. Uh, again, you shouldn't have to worry about buying those last-minute tickets to your next big event. Uh, basketball is going to be returning to the TBA at Food City Center here pretty soon. You can buy those tickets and check it all out over on Game Time. Killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Lowest price guarantee, even event cancellation protection and job loss protection, so they can work with you and they have your back. That uh, that, that the lowest price guarantee means if you find a cheaper seat in the same section that you bought from at game time they're going to credit you 110 percent of that value not a whole lot of places are going to do that as well download the game time app create an account use the promo code vols for 20 dollars off your first purchase we're talking sporting events we're talking theater comedy all that stuff near you game time app terms apply again create that app redeem code vols v-o-l-s for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed so thank you to game time and as always thank you to our friends that bring us coverage of the ball quest podcast that is exterior home solutions it's one of those phone calls that you hate to get from your kids hey dad a tree fell on my house well we got that call a couple of weeks back from our daughter at her house here and the first call that i made was to exterior home solutions the peace of mind that they gave me and us as a family when they came out here and came up with a plan got us connected with the right people is absolutely priceless. Use the same people that I use in that time of need, exterior home solutions. That's a free estimate at um, 865-524-5888, exteriorhomesolutions.com. All right, so something we've done here at VolQuest.com the last couple of years is kind of a year in review a really good piece that Hubs put up on the site yesterday. And I think this conversation, you know, there was a lot of good things that happened for Tennessee this past year, right? You know, football, basketball, lady balls, softball, volleyball, um, a whole lot of good stuff. But, um, you know, football is what drives the ship, of course. And the, the most important thing that happened this year, Brent, it all starts in July, for, July 14th, when Tennessee finally got past that speed bump and, and it knew what the penalties were from the, uh, from the Jeremy Pruitt administration. Yeah, and a lot of people will say, well, I mean, if that's your highlight of the year, then what kind of year did you have? But I, I think it was just to have closure with that yeah. tells of the significance and, and the cloud that had been hanging over 
Um, look, nobody has, nobody expected Tennessee to get a bowl ban, but you didn't know for sure. Um, and, and, you know, it was – everything had a caveat, right? Here's Tennessee. This is the expectation. They still have this NCAA cloud. They're awaiting a ruling on this. Uh, all those types of things. So to be able to put that behind them and move forward um, in what felt like a 10-year investigation that was actually about 30 months – I think it was significant. I think it was significant closure for the athletic department uh, and set the course in motion for not just the 23 season, but, but things beyond. I mean, Josh Heupel didn't have to address it on um, the recruiting trail. Austin, they didn't have to worry about their numbers. Okay. What about this? Or what about that? They know what their numbers look like and what they're trying to get, have to get done over the course of the probationary period. Um, the recruiting restrictions, just to have the knowledge of all of that to where you can put your plan in place, I think is significant. And um, it, it was a winding road to get there. And you could debate whether the road was driven properly all the time or not. But at the end of the day, Tennessee got what they wanted in July. Closure and no bowl ban, go compete for championships. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, some of that stuff, I mean, like it's still like a small, small hiccup, you know, just you know, having to take a full week off and being able to make calls to recruits or, you know, having to do a handful of SEC games with no recruits at it over the next, you know, few years, which really, I mean, it's like the Vanderbilt game, you know, every other year. Um, you know, but on the whole, I mean, like it, it's all minor. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think to be able to, you know, move past that, I mean, listen, recruits don't really care about whether they, you can call them for a week. They don't really care about whether they, you know, whether Tennessee has to not have visitors for a week. They care whether they can go to a bowl game. It's all perception, right? You know, and so um, even a, a bowl game where you know half the people opt out anymore, you know, it's still a perception thing, you know, for 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 recruits. So, um, you know, that was uh, that was big. Kind of saying on recruiting, three summer commits for the University of Tennessee, I think, really helped shape the class. AP, yeah, a June commit from Boo Carter that. You just had to get. If you want to talk about locking down your state and getting the best players in your state, you had to take. Yeah, you had to win over Michigan, over Colorado, some of these other programs for Boo Carter. That was in June, July. Mike Matthews, Tennessee's five-star commit. Of course, we talked about him a lot the last couple of days. And then Jordan Ross, uh, highest-rated player on the defensive side of the football, uh, industry-ranking four-star, but highly-rated guy. I think those are you know three commits highlighted by Hubs in this piece that really kind of shaped the class. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I, I love what Jordan Ross brings. Um, you know, I, I think that, that that's somebody that Tennessee's gonna be really glad they got. Um, Mike Matthews uh, to me is you know obviously the bell cow on the offensive side of the ball, and and Boo Carter uh, could be on the field quicker than any of them. You know, especially with all the changes in the in the secondary. Um, so yeah, I, I'm fascinated to kind of see how you know some of this stuff plays out. But again, uh, Tennessee's class good, solid. It wasn't great because great no, requires, you know, a, a little bit more. But, I mean, you know, I've seen bad. So, like, the people that, you know, you know oh, they can't recruit. Yeah, they were fine. You know, they, could they have been better? Absolutely, right? And, uh, you know, the three you highlighted are, to me, three of the guys that are most likely to play early. Rob, when you kind of compare this football season, eight and four, I mean, it was not a dumpster fire. I mean, especially considering the last 15 years. A lot of Tennessee fans will sign up for this in a heartbeat, but it's coming off last season, obviously a little bit disappointing. So there's not like that LSU game, that Florida game, that Alabama game to kind of point to this year. But one that I thought was really interesting that Hubs highlighted, the win over A&M where Joe Milton was awful. First time Josh Heupel won a football game scoring less than 30 points as a head coach. But the run game was incredible. 
You had a special teams touchdown. Uh, defense was really, really good. Tennessee played great complimentary football, ran for over 200 yards against the SEC's best rush defense at the time, and was probably the, the, the you know, it didn't start the downfall, obviously, but it helped very much contribute to Jimbo Fisher being ousted as head football coach. Yeah, big win. I mean, and, and you mentioned, I mean, I, I know we're talking about that game, EC, but you, you mentioned complimentary football, and, you know, Kamal hadn't, it makes me think about Haddon's return against South Carolina as just what we're talking about. It was eight and four this year and Tennessee didn't get it done by scoring 50 points a game. Like they did, yeah. you know, last year, you, you, you had the hat, had an interception return against the game cost. You had, you know, the kind of complimentary football game you're talking about against Texas A&M. And, um, you know, that, that just makes me think, you see, there wasn't an Alabama moment this year, but by and large, I mean, Tennessee won the games that they were supposed to win. I mean, they, you know, eight and four is not spectacular, but you didn't have a, you, you didn't lose to Vandy, you didn't you, you didn't lose to Kentucky, like you know, like has been the case so often in this past decade, and you know, Texas, the Texas and Indiana game on the front end of that one looked like a huge game. You know, looking back at it now, you know, a couple of months later, it was oh, you know, Tennessee dead man walking game. You know, Tennessee should have won that one. It didn't feel that way that Saturday, but that's a you know anything could happen type game. And, you know, I think you make a good point, Eric. When eight and four, not what anybody wanted, but man, you know, five years ago, six years ago, eight and four would have been, you know, just like manna from heaven. Well, you lost three games to teams that are all ranked in the top 10, right? Yeah. You know, and the only one that sticks out is like Florida. Had you beat him, he probably isn't the coach there. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I mean, they've, they've got to change. Yeah. Hi, I and everybody on this podcast said that night or the, or two days later on Monday that that was a bad loss. That's a loss that's going to look bad, you know, two months from now. Yep, yeah. and it does. No doubt about it. Uh, another one Hub has mentioned is uh, Joe Milton's performance against Vanderbilt. We won't go into details here. It was Vanderbilt, but it was a good bounce back after Tennessee just had no pulse against Missouri and Georgia. Uh, last uh, game at Neyland Stadium for Joe Milton, six total touchdowns. You look at basketball, Rob, and there were a couple of nice moments, obviously, from this from this last year, not the current season, um, but the, the you know knocking off top ranked Alabama back in uh, I think it was February fifteenth, day after Valentine's Day. That was a huge win at the time, and and obviously a win that helped them down the line as well. Yeah, it, it, you just you know, at this point in time, what is is, is Rick's ninth year? Is, you, you just, you're not surprised when Tennessee does something like that in Thompson Bowling. Um, it, I mean, it's a it maybe doesn't roll off the tongue for hardcore basketball fans in, in you know in in the country when you think about great venues, great home venues. I mean, I, I've been a lot of places, Hubbard. I know I know you have. I, when, it, when it's good, when it's rocking, I mean, Thompson Bowling Arena, or excuse me, the Food City Center is as good as any place you know in in the country. And it was that night. I mean, that was an electric atmosphere against Alabama. Um, you know, they came in. I don't want to dwell on it but you know a lot of controversy with the, with the brandon miller stuff last year when they came so you know all all the, the students you know had, had plenty of ammunition you know for their for their posters or their taunts or or whatnot and that, that was a big night but then i mean tennessee has done that a lot uh, under rick barnes um you know whether it's you know kentucky or or arizona you know two years ago when they came in here before christmas but that's i mean thompson bowling is is really really good when, when Tennessee's good and when they have a worthy opponent. And that was, that was a big time night. 
The next one we'll highlight is uh, the second round uh, win over Duke to propel Tennessee to the Sweet 16. However, that was uh, a really, really good game. Um, Duke had a, a really good interior presence. Olivier Kumwa, you know, just like the Texas game, man, he went off 27 points, uh, 22 minutes, 10 to 13 from the field, had three, three or four from behind the arc. He was really good, but that was just a good game, a good win for Tennessee playing all around basketball and a win that, you know, over a blue blood and Duke and propelled them to the Sweet 16, which is always, you know, always a, a very successful season when you look back on it. Well, and obviously the next week in New York was a huge disappointment not to be able to, to capitalize on that for sure. But Rob, I mean, that, that game was against Duke was, you know, that, that was Tennessee putting it all together. And, and Tennessee made every play down the stretch of that basketball game that they had to make to, to, to win the upset. Everybody sort of penciled Duke in or inked Duke in to advance there. But, but what impressed me was Tennessee had the lead and you kind of wondered, could they hold on? And they just made every play that they had to make down the stretch of that game to, to hold off Duke and to win. And, and Tennessee won that game. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't anything, you know, Tennessee was a better basketball team that day. But you kept waiting on a run, and Tennessee just never let one of those runs happen for them against them in the second half, which was really impressive. And they just beat them up I mean, right. that day. And, and, and talking to, to, you know, I was going to say talking to the kids after the game, but that, that is going to cancel out my point. Talking to Tennessee's players after the game, so we were vividly. I mean, they, they like Josiah and those guys. They're like, man, those are kids. Olivier was like, you know, we're not going to get beat by a bunch of freshmen. You know, not and Tennessee is, is a team always under Rick. They, the, the faces change, but they pride themselves on toughness. And and that that game against Duke to me, I mean, that was just that. That's what it boils down to. It was it was toughness and. And man, I mean, I, I didn't know how the game was going to work out beforehand, but about five minutes in, me and a lot of other people were like, "Man, Tennessee, Tennessee's pushing them around." I mean, and and it was just, it, it really was. It was just, it was men against boys. And then another one for basketball that we'll highlight, Austin. It was um, not the commit of Dalton Connect, but it was that exhibition win at Michigan State, where Connect went off for twenty eight points. And I think, you know, everybody was just kind of sitting there like, "Okay." Um, that was impressive. I mean, is this going to be something? Then he continued to do it and do it and, and be Tennessee's most prolific scorer early in the season. And once you got into the regular season, a little bit of a slump right now. But I think the addition of Don Connect is obviously going to be huge. If Tennessee wants to go where it wants to go, he's got to get back to scoring the basketball and being efficient. But that exhibition, though it didn't count as a win or loss, Tennessee did win it. Um, and seeing the kind of, kind of the coming out party for Don Connect is, I think, something that was a highlight from this past year. Yeah, it was. It was certainly a, a, an important game. And Rob, when you when you look at it, you know, when you we, we talked earlier about uh, Chris Brazel and, and kind of can he make that adjustment? What does it look like in the SEC? With Dalton Connect, Rob, you, you had the same question, right? I mean, in Northern Colorado, he's scored everywhere he's been. But what does it look like against the big boys? I mean, what, what does it look like? And uh, he's got a couple of games against the big boys where he's looked really good. Now, he's got to clean some things up and all that kind of stuff. But he certainly – Tennessee fans' outlook on this team's ability to score changed with what Dalton Connect showed at Michigan State because they hadn't had a guy kind of do that. And to do that in his first, you know, his first rip with Tennessee's offense was, I think, was noteworthy for this basketball program. And we'll see how noteworthy it becomes as the season progresses. But uh, he certainly pronounced his arrival in that day. Yeah. And, and, and Hubbard, AP, Eric, I mean, you, you guys always know me. 
off season workouts, whatever you hear stuff, but you you never you know you never know how much to put into it. And so, I mean, there were rumblings all summer. Man, Dalton's killing people in the gym. You know, connect is, you know, he's he's busting people up. And that, so we we all heard that. But man, I mean, he's way better than I than I expected. And Hubbard, that, you know, he 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 looked okay in Italy. I mean, like, yeah, that guy can play. Yeah, that he looks like an SEC player. But that Michigan State game, you know, the behind the back dunk and you know, twenty eight points. Even if it wasn't exhibition, he was still the best player on the court, you know, in a game with two top 10 teams. So he, he's been, you hear, you hear hype all the time. Dalton is the rare instance where, where a guy's actually better than advertised. Yep, and he will have to be big for Tennessee down the stretch as it gets into SEC play and working towards March. Um, a huge addition for Tennessee, obviously, and that was certainly his coming out party against Michigan State. Uh, let's look to baseball now. A lot of good moments, but not, I mean, not early on, Austin Price. We'll try this again. Uh, the Vanderbilt series was the turning point for Tennessee's season. Game one, Tennessee was down a dramatic comeback in game one over Vanderbilt. That was kind of the coming out, the welcoming party for Chase Burns out of the bullpen as well. Two ninth inning home runs. A great defensive play. Tennessee walks it off in, in extra innings. Um, that changed the season for Tennessee baseball that eventually went on to make it to Omaha. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you, you go back, and they were a struggle bus early on SEC play. I mean, you, the awful series at Missouri, only equaled by the awful offensive performance by Tennessee in football at Missouri, um, you know, that just kind of – couldn't find their footing early. They had no juice. They had no mojo. They weren't playing together. Um, and then that Vanderbilt series did flip it around because what they have, they had back-to-back sweeps, right? They turned around and got a sweep the, the next weekend as well. Isn't that right, Eric? Or my, I know they won uh, the next weekend. But I, they, I went it they went to Mississippi State. They went and swept yeah. Mississippi State. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Boom, see? And and uh, so, like, you know, it just kind of got the mojo going. And you're right. It took the comeback in game one to kind of wake them up, you know, and all of a sudden they win game two, they win game three, and they and they won those games all in different fashion, right? Like, you know, sometimes they needed the, the you know, like early in the series, they needed the, the, the bats to get going when they finally did. Then they won it with some pitching later in the series. So, um, you know, that was a big, big series for Tennessee's baseball team. And, again, you know, super talented. And it's why you don't like, especially in baseball, you don't panic if you start slow. Much like Tennessee's basketball team, they lost those three quality opponents there early in the year, um, a couple out in Maui, and then at North Carolina, North Carolina. You don't panic; it's it's November and December, and so Tennessee's baseball team was able to find its footing, kind of get some mojo going, and then made the run that they made. Obviously, winning over Clemson, and then going down to you know Southern Miss, and you know Eric dominating the uh, local Applebee's there in Hattiesburg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Tennessee was 5-10 and 10 in conference play at the time of the Vanderbilt series, and you were to that point, Brent, where you were talking, all right, Tennessee's got to win this out of, you know, this many out of its next this many to even have a shot at, you know, getting to a regional, not hosting a regional or anything, and Tennessee turned it on, finished 10-5 of, uh, 10 and 5 in conference play the rest of the way. I mean, it was truly awesome, and it sparked from that game one win against Vanderbilt. Um, getting into regional play, Tennessee goes to Clemson, it wins its first game against uh, Charlotte. It's it in in the game of all rewrites, Rob Lewis. When I had to rewrite the the how it happened piece or the four quick takes like five different times, um, Tennessee was down in the in the uh, top of the ninth inning, 
Down to a two-strike, Zane Denton blasts a three-run home run to take the lead. Tennessee gives up the lead in the bottom of the ninth inning. You go on to win this in 14 innings, but, I mean, you had in the 11th inning, I believe, it was bases loaded, no outs, and Chase Burns gets out of it with a strikeout and a 4-6-3 double play with Ethan Payne at first base because he came on as a pinch runner. I mean, this game had it all. Ultimately, Tennessee won it, but that was a huge win for Tennessee to keep its season alive, obviously, and and to kind of pick up momentum again as it took it all the way to Omaha. Yeah, a- AP, you know what I remember most about that night was, was Hubs on the group text, never gave up hope. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean to go, Rob, 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 if you ever wanted, if you ever wanted to know who Hubs was, Eric teased him up. Eric teased him up a minute ago. Talk about the win over Duke as a positive, right? And he immediately goes, "Well, the next, the fall, the next fall is New York. We don't know huge letdown." Like Florida, your topic, topic, your topic was the Duke win. You took it the next week to the yeah. disappointment. That's Michael. what I, that, that's what I remember about that baseball game was hovering on the group text all night long. Don't they got it? Tony's got this. Tony's got this. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Tony's got it. All right, but, I'm done. I'm done. But, but, but seriously, he, Merry he, Christmas he, to me. But that, I mean, that's that's just been. I mean. The, I think that's one of the reasons. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say it's one of the reasons, but it, it's the way that the this baseball team, man. I mean, I'm a I'm a casual. F- observer i'm not i'm not in it like you are all the time but just my wife is into it my kids are into it and it's i mean i, I think a lot of it is because of that 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 game is not atypical i mean they just i mean they're they're just fun to watch and and, and they it, it's it's never over with these cats i mean it, it looks miraculous but i mean how many times can you point to games like that in the last two or three years where you know it, it, they, they've gotten it done like goosebump moments yeah, yeah, down to the last strike a couple of times. Truly the cardiac kids. You saw in that Clemson game that ultimately they came from behind again. It's first win in Omaha since 2001. Chase Burns again was brilliant out of the bullpen. You had Christian Moore, a huge two-run single. Tennessee was down a couple runs, came back, and uh, looked good against Sanford for its first win in Omaha since 2001. So a lot of good moments. Highlighted that over at VolQuest.com. Did Brent Husband wanted to bring this here on the show as we kind of say goodbye to 2023 and look ahead to 2024. But before 2024 gets here, we'll have the Mailbag Podcast later this week. Uh, We will continue to break down Tennessee and preview Tennessee and Iowa in the Citrus Bowl, uh, recruiting, transfer portal news, hoops, all that and more. It is at VolQuest.com. Appreciate you guys for being here. Appreciate Exterior Home Solutions for making all this coverage possible. Local trusted since 1999. You give them a call today at 524 uh, 5888s and visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. For Awesome Price, Brent Hubbs, Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you for being here on the Bulk West Podcast. You've been listening to the Bulk West Podcast every week here on Bulk West. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit 
FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 